God is good, amen? I absolutely love to worship. I know and believe that God is already doing something in our hearts tonight, just in our time of worship tonight. For those that, that I haven't had an opportunity of meeting yet, my name is Isaac. My wife, Nikki, and my daughter, Ariana, we have been coming here to celebration. Um, coming up in November, it'll be two years for us. And so we're, we're just loving the church, we love worship, we love what God is doing here, and we've just chosen to, to plant our feet here and to be here, and we have loved every second of it. Um, it hasn't been always easy, and I'll share a little bit about it tonight in my message, but uh, I am grateful and humbled that, that Pastor Frankie and the staff would allow me to come and, and bring a message to you tonight. So... I am, I am so thankful and so grateful, and it's an honor, and so we're just going to dig right in. You ready? Okay. Amen. So shout me down. Give me an amen. Let me know you're still out there breathing, that kind of stuff. I like, I like to feed off your energy, so don't sit there. This isn't a lecture. This is an opportunity to, for us to, to see the Word come alive tonight. Amen? So we're going to start off in the book of Genesis. If you've got your Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to work our way all the way through Revelation tonight. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Saw somebody pack up their purse, get ready to head for the doors. We're going to start with Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1. It said, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all of their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to, the, to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were there in the land. Verse 7 says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Let's pray tonight. Lord God, I just thank you for tonight, Father. I know that your word is alive, it's breathing, it's moving, Father. I pray that tonight I would just get out of your way and allow your word to speak, Father. I pray that your heart would hit our hearts, it would penetrate us, it would change us, Lord God. And we would go home transformed because of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I've titled our message, Moving Mountains. And I hope by the end of this message that you'll feel encouraged about overcoming the impossibles in your life. Tonight, I want to focus on Abram and Sarah's story. Their story, along with many others in the Bible, are quite similar to yours and to mine. Abram and Sarah, they were met with an impossible situation. 
God later changes their names to Abraham and to Sarah as a reminder of the impossible that was overcome. You see, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him to move. God takes him from everything that was comfortable and he sets him out on this journey. When he reaches the place that God has for him, he tells Abraham that everything he sees before him will be given to his descendants. At this time in Abraham's life, he had no kids and his wife Sarai was unable to have kids. There's a second time in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, it says, Then the Lord took Abram outside, and he said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. You see, Abraham wasn't living in the city like today, where the streetlights kind of blind out the starry sky. No, Abraham, he looks up into the sky that is peppered with stars as far as the eye could see. To Abraham, what God was showing him seemed impossible. The man was 75 years old, being sent out on a journey with no clear direction. He ends up in the city of Canaan, which from Haran is over 500 miles. It's 500 miles that he had traveled on foot. I've got grandparents that are up in age, I can't see them walking 500 miles. I'm 39 years old and you won't see me walking in a 26K anytime soon. It's just not gonna happen. But yet we have Abraham here at 75 years old journeying, not in a Ford Focus, not in a Ford Expedition, not in a private jet. He packs everything that he has and he travels on foot 500 miles. On top of that, not only was Sarah unable to bear him a child, but both she and Abraham were far too old to have a child. So what descendants will inherit this land that God is speaking to Abraham about? Have you ever been in an impossible situation? Not just have you been, maybe you're in in an impossible situation right now. Life comes at us at 100 miles an hour. I I like to reference life as this ever-changing of seasons. There are seasons that I like to call valley moments. Psalms 23 says that, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. These are seasons that are tough. These are seasons that we we hate. We don't want to go through. We don't want to endure. And then we have those mountaintop moments. When we're on top of the world and life is just great. Work is awesome. The wife, the husband, awesome. Your kids, they're like angels sent from above, right? Everything is perfect. Work is perfect. Your health is like a young deer. And it's, it's like you wake up with minty, fresh breath. Everything is awesome, Right? We have those days. We have those seasons where everything is awesome. I wish I could say that like honey, which has no expiration date, that those mountaintop moments, that they'll last forever. But on this earth, we we both know they won't. I want to be mindful tonight that 
We've got various ages, nationalities. We're all in different seasons of life. I don't know your past. I don't know your struggle. I don't know what mountains stand before you tonight. But I know God does. Can I just encourage and instill some hope in you that the God of this universe is a God who makes the impossible possible. I love reading the Bible and seeing the average Joe doing supernatural things because of the God they serve. These average people, they're no different than you and I. Noah survived a flood that wiped out the earth. Moses parted the Red Sea, enabling the Israelites to get away and get out of slavery of Egypt. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. The sun stood still in the sky while Joshua fought his enemies. David deleted, defeated Goliath with a rock and a slingshot. Five loaves and two fish fed over 5,000 people. Peter stepped out of a boat and he walked on water. These aren't just fictional characters in a book. These stories aren't fairy tales and poems that we read to our kids at night to help them go to sleep. These are real men and real women who are just like you and, and, and I. They're no different. These men and women, they put their trust in the same God that we worship here tonight. To be a, a bit more relevant for today, let me tell you about the bumblebee. The law of physics says that the bumblebee's body is too large for the arc of their small flapping wings to keep them elevated in the air. The bumblebee for hundreds of years continues to defy the law of physics. Every day the impossible happens and bumblebees fly. As part of, of us just being humans, we constantly deal with issues of what is possible and what is not. But we need to remember that we don't journey alone and that God is with us. And for God, nothing is impossible. There's a young minister who tells uh, about his father who learned this very um, just personal lesson. He was a guide out at Mount Kilimanjaro. The photo behind us is that mountain. And he's telling his son that as, as he's a guide there for groups that go up and down this mountain. He said, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro is a lot like life. The road is long. Sometimes it's very, very difficult. There are tough spots along the way with moments of exhilaration, just looking out and seeing the beauty. And then there's moments of intense complexity with trouble. That's our lives. That's our relationships. That's our families. That's exactly the things that we go through throughout our life. The guide told his son that when climbers can't see the peak because of the cloudiness that covers it, he says they usually don't make it to the top. The climbers become very discouraged. They become irritable. They get negative and even sometimes bicker and fight against each other in a group. But when the peak is clear and they can fix their eyes on the very top of the mountain, the climbers are focused and they work together. 
they almost always make it to the top. The difference, of course, is that they keep their eyes on the goal, the peak of the mountain. Our lives are just like that. When we fix our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ, and we persevere, we can do all things. But when we take our eyes off the Savior, when we allow ourselves to be brought down and we don't put God at the center of whatever's going on in our circumstance, our situation, our life, our family, our marriage, our kids, our work, our job, and God isn't the center, all of a sudden we get sidetracked. We lose focus. Worry sets in. And things begin to change. I'm going to be completely transparent with you tonight. Tonight, God is making the impossible possible right here, right now. You see, what brought my family and I to Celebration Church is a chapter that's still being, being written. Prior to us making this our church, uh, I had been in student ministry for the past 18 years um, at a church in Houston, Texas. And we were there. It's been home for us for the last 20 years. Uh, I also worked on staff at the Assemblies of God District Office. Life was good. Life was great. I was enjoying ministry. I was enjoying what God was doing. And two, two years ago, this past May, I just had an experience with God that changed everything. I'm sitting in this event with my family. Uh, it was a missions event. There's probably over 500 people in the room. And we're sitting up near the front row, and one of the Haitian pastors that they support is here in the States, and he's leading us in worship. He's singing, bless the Lord, O my soul, with his accordion, with the very little English that he knew. And we're all sitting there in this room around these round tables as we had just finished eating dinner. And as I'm sitting there, I hear God begin to knock on my heart. And he says, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, we're sitting here. What does it look like? He said, why aren't you on your feet worshiping? And I was like, um, we're all kind of sitting here not worshiping. You know, it's, we're all just here, God. And he said, no, but why aren't you on your feet worshiping me? You love to worship. Why are you sitting? And I felt like that young kid in church with mom pinching me in the back of my arm because I'm goofing off. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, all right, God, I hear you. I hear you. And he's like, well, then get up and worship. And I'm really being scolded. And it's not like this audible voice. The clouds didn't open. And there's this, oh, God just speaking. You know, it was in my heart. I, I heard him. And I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. And so being the guy that I am, I figured I'm not going to worship by myself. If I'm going to worship, my wife and my daughter are going to worship. So I turn around to tell him, hey, we need to stand up and worship. And as I start to turn around, God says, turn back around. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. And I was like, all right, God, I hear you. I'm sorry. I said, but I'm not going to stand up in front of 500 people with other pastors and leaders and look like the holier-than-thou guy in the front row worshiping while they're just sitting. He said, I'm asking you to worship me. And so I get, I'm just, we're arguing now. We're wrestling. 
And we're fighting, and I'm like mad, and I'm like, God, I can't believe you're, you're asking me to do this. This is ridiculous. I don't want to do it. No. And he said, get up and worship. It's time for you to obey the commandment that I'm telling you. And so I get up, and I'm thinking in my mind, okay, this is one of those moments where you're in a crowd, and everyone starts clapping. You know, one person claps, and then everybody claps, right? You just, it's just that, that slow start. And I figured, I'm going to get up. This is going to be one of those glorious moments. I'm going to raise my hands, and everyone's going to stand up, and the power of God's just going to fall, and it's going to be this crazy scenario. Brownsville revival all over again, right? So I get up on my feet. I close my eyes, and I begin to worship. And as soon as I worship, he broke me. I began to weep, and I began to cry. And in the middle of that, being the fleshly person that I am, I did the half-eye open. <laughs> Is anybody else standing and worshiping? Nobody else stands. I stand there, and I just continue to worship, bawling my eyes out. I sit back down, and I say, God, I'm so sorry. Whatever it is you ask me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. It was a very surreal moment for me. Didn't have a clue what was about to happen. All I heard was, when I tell you to move, I need you to move. Four months later, I wake up, September of 2015, and I hear God tell me, today's the day. I need you to quit your job. I need you to resign from the church, and you need to pack your family and leave the church. I had no clue where we were going, no direction at all. Got up, I told my wife. She said, let's do it. I'm trusting you. Whew. That'll, yeah, you clap now. We haven't figured this out yet. We're still in the middle of it. And so I, I walk into my pastor's office and I tell him I need to resign. And he said, why? Where are you going? What are you doing? Are you starting a church? you get a job somewhere? What's going on? I said, Pastor, I don't have a clue. I'm just being obedient. He kind of scratches his head. He's like, all right, well, you can tell the congregation because I don't know what to tell them. I said, I don't either, but we'll see how this goes. Quit my job at the district office. That next Sunday, it was our last Sunday. Within four or five days, everything changed. No direction, no job, no church family to lean on in this new season of life. All we knew that in order to step into the next season, in order to step into whatever ministry, job, whatever opportunity, whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing next, we had to move away from everything that was comfortable and just trust God. Can I just tell you that having faith in God and completely trusting God is easy to preach. It's a whole other thing to live it out. It's been a roller coaster of emotions these past two years, not just for me, but for my wife and my kids. I've been excited for the change. I've been nervous not knowing who, what, when, where, how this is going to turn out. I've been patient. I've been impatient. I've been mad at God. I've been depressed at times. I've been hopeful, and then I've been hopeless. I've even let the devil convince me that my time in ministry was over, that I would never get an opportunity to stand behind a pulpit and deliver the word of God again. 
So tonight, I get to experience the impossible becoming possible because of God. So you notice I'm holding on to my notes. It's been ten, two years since I preached. This isn't an easy thing to do tonight. So just give me a second to remind the devil that he's a liar, that, that he's a defeated, that he has no control in my life, and that he's under my feet where he belongs. Amen? So yeah, Abraham's story, it resonates with me right now. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went not knowing where he was going. I've held tightly to this passage for the last ten, two years because if he did it for Abraham, he'll do it for me. And I'm here to tell you tonight that if he did it for me, then he can do it for you. Luke 1.27 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Tonight I ask you, what is the impossible for you tonight? The mountains that can only be moved with God. Is it unforgiveness? Is it pride? Is it self-control? Do you have addictions in your life that you just can't get past? Do you battle with hopelessness or depression, bitterness, are there things in your marriage that just aren't right? Your health, your kids, your job. Maybe it's a lack of a job. Maybe for us it's a new adventure that seems impossible. The list of impossible mountains can go on and on and on. What are the impossibles in your life? Whatever it is, tonight I'm here to remind you that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing, nothing, no thing is too great. Too great to overcome. Too great to venture out to. To forgive. To release. To move forward. To get through. To have peace to receive comfort, to decide, to love again, to receive healing, to endure. Nothing is too great for you to be thankful for. In every season, God is there, and he is faithful to see you through it. I want to give you three points, so just in case Pastor Frankie has, I gave you some points tonight. Whatever the impossible is, number one, you have to get God involved. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Scripture is full of people who had to face tremendous obstacles. In this passage, Joshua was leading the people of God across the Jordan River. Moses, his mentor, was gone, and now Joshua was in charge of leading the Israelites. His fear was justified. But read again how this is translated in the Message Bible. It says, haven't I commanded you? Strength, 
courage. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. The impossible will be impossible on your own. But with God, maybe you're here tonight and you need to remind the devil that he is a liar. I love what John Gray says. He says, I don't ever look the devil in the face and tell him where to go. Because the second I look him in the face, I've already brought him up to my level. Sometimes you just got to put your foot down and remind the devil that he is under your feet. Don't give him any extra credit. Don't give him a chance. Don't even bring him up to your level because he has no place on your level. Amen? Number two, you will be stretched. Whatever the impossible is, you will be stretched. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. You have an opportunity to experience growth, spiritual growth, growth in your belief system, growth in your relationship with God. I don't know if you noticed, but muscles don't grow by eating cheeseburgers and fries. You got to put some work into it to make the muscles grow. And with God, you get to learn from the best teacher there is. And the last point, number three. Psalms 84 verse 12, you will be blessed. It says, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessings from God come in all shapes and sizes. In fact, most of the time, they don't look like anything what we would expect. But God's blessings are exactly what we need. As I close out tonight, the story has been told of a Jesuit philosopher named John Cavanaugh. He spent three months in Calcutta, India, serving the poor and, and trying to get a handle on how best to spend his life. One day, he met Mother Teresa, and she asked him if there was anything she could do for him. He requested that she pray for him. When she asked what she could pray for specifically, Kavanaugh asked that she pray that he would have clarity. When Mother Teresa rejected his request. She told him, clarity is the last thing you are clinging on to, and you must let go of it. Kavanaugh replied that he longed to have the same kind of clarity that Mother Teresa seemed to have. Hearing this, Mother Teresa laughed, and she said, John, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I pray that you will trust God. Maybe your, your mountain, it isn't your marriage. It isn't your finances. Maybe you don't battle depression or bitterness. Maybe your mountain is taking a step of faith that right now it just seems impossible. Many of us, including myself, have, have made seeking clarity a higher priority than simply trusting God. In issues of faith, when we only seek the safe 
And when we only live on the basis of what we know and what we understand, we end up walking the Christian life by sight and not by faith. You can't take a step of faith and have clarity in the same breath. The only clarity that you'll ever need is to trust God. I know that too many times I have prayed for clarity about a situation. And more times than not, God is waiting for me to take a step of faith. For someone in here tonight, that mountain will not move until you trust God. Trust that God will have your back. Anything you do that isn't contrary to God's word, or his word resonates with the decision at hand, sometimes stepping out and doing it is all it takes to see him move and guide you through it. Again, in Hebrews 11, verse 8, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went not knowing where he was going. Whatever mountains you're facing, whatever seems impossible to get through tonight with God. As we get ready to to pray tonight, I I just, I want to give you an opportunity to find a place in this room to just be one-on-one with God. No mountain is too big. No situation is too great. There is nothing, nothing impossible with God. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for your word, Father. I pray tonight, Lord, you you know our hearts, you know our circumstances, you know our situations. You know the mountains that are before us, Lord. We can't do it on our own. We are nothing apart from you, God. Tonight, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that you would begin to to speak to their heart, that you would begin to bring comfort and peace and remind them that you are their God. And no, no mountain is too great for you. We thank you tonight, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. These altars are open for you. The worship team will worship with us. There's no formal dismissal. Go as you need. It'll take a couple minutes just to to seek the face of God.